Welcome back to another episode of our brand new podcast, City Hall Pass, hosted by myself, the counsel to the mayor, Capel Longani. We created this forum, the first of its kind in New York City, to provide you, the general public, with a unique window into the problem-solving process at the highest levels of our city government, and to be able to share insights into key decisions as told by the trailblazing leaders who made them. And now I want to introduce my two hosts today, two women who are truly brilliant and inspire me every day, Bess Chu and Kate Coughlin. Thanks, Capel. Happy to be here. This is Bess Chu. I'm currently Chief of Staff to the Office of the Council to the Mayor. Hi, I'm Kate Coughlin, and I currently serve as Deputy Counsel for the Office of the Council to the Mayor. I'm excited to introduce our guest for this episode, Commissioner of the Department of Small Business Services, John L. Doris. For those listeners who are not familiar with Small Business Services, or SBS, they're the city agency that actively connects New Yorkers to good jobs, creates stronger businesses, and builds a thriving economy in neighborhoods across the five boroughs. In addition to being SBS Commissioner, Janelle is a member of the Task Force on Racial Inclusion and Equity, where he serves as co-chair of the Small Business Subcommittee. Prior to being appointed SBS Commissioner in May, Janelle served as the city's first senior advisor and director of the Mayor's Office of Minority and Women-Owned Business Enterprises, otherwise known as the Office of MWBEs. Under his leadership, the city more than doubled its certifications, tripled its utilization, and awarded more than $14.6 billion to MWBEs. Janelle previously served as the first chief diversity officer for the governor's Office of Storm Recovery, where he created the Office of Diversity and Civil Rights. Janelle is also a former small business owner who understands firsthand the challenges facing small businesses and MWBEs. In this episode, Janelle shared his family's story as immigrants to Brooklyn from Guyana and talked about what SBS is doing to support our local small businesses through COVID-19. We hope you enjoy. And now I want to welcome to City Hall Pass the Commissioner of the Small Business Services, Janelle Doris. Hi, Janelle, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's great to be here with you, my friend. It is really nice to have you. It's, it's, it's in many ways a homecoming. Janelle worked closely with me and my team for the two years that I've been here. He has a prominent, or used to have, a prominent spot right in the center of the bullpen. And we had many, many good times together, many good laughs. And Janelle was, was one of the people who I consulted frequently, not only for his wisdom, but just his thoughts on not just legal issues, but general policy issues that my team confronted on a regular basis. And he was always a font of wisdom and he is missed greatly here in City Hall, but is doing really great work at SBS right now. And uh, we're going to dive into that in a minute. But Janelle, I want to start by talking a little bit about your background. You and I are both immigrants to this country. And I recently learned that you immigrated to Brooklyn from Guyana. Can you talk to us a little bit about your experience as an immigrant here in New York City? My story, my family story, immigrant story is like every other, I think, immigrant story in, in America, right? We're coming here to live the American dream, to know what it means to advance and do exactly your heart's desire and whatever drives you, right? That's what America is all about. And we came for that, right? And we've experienced it. We've lived it my entire family and, uh, you know, just understanding the grit you have to have as an immigrant, understanding like whatever you had in your country didn't matter. You have to start new and fresh. And that's what it was for me. And, you know, growing up then in uh, Flatbush and then, you know, 
going to school there and being the new kid on the block and what that felt like in fifth grade. It was like, it was, it was amazing, but it was also scary. But I also want to say that, you know, it was also like refreshing to be in a new place. I look, I'm, I'm a little sentimental about America. I still believe in it. And, um, you know, that's what it's about right there. You know, just like you being able to come in, get that opportunity because you sought it and it was there. And that's really what my life has been built out. How do we make opportunity for people to fulfill their dreams? Yeah. And we're going to talk about that in a second. I, I want to go back a little bit to growing up in Flatbush. Your, your parents are both ministers. Is that right? Yeah, they are. Yes. I'm a PK, preacher's kid. Yeah. That's like a whole thing. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 so for us who, for those of us who are not PKs, tell me a little bit about what that means and how that's affected you and what you do now. You know, it, yeah, again, like your value system, who you are really comes from that, right? Helping people. I can't remember a time in my life that we did not have a person in our home, you know, like living there that was not like a relative, you know, somebody who's always been in our room. And I got to tell you, I mean, we've got six kids my parents have. We were like the Brady Bunch, three boys and three girls. And of course, my parents in a two bedroom apartment in Vandeveer, which is now Flatbush Gardens. And we're literally crammed into that two bedroom apartment. My parents have a room. And then all the kids have another room, bunk beds. And then there's always somebody in our living room. <laughs> I'm like, yo, Ma, can we have like a, a home with just us? Like, there's always somebody there visiting, some minister coming from somewhere, some missionary, some somebody who needed help, somebody who needed to stay. I mean, so that's where I learned a lot of my values about helping people from, right? I lived it, making room for people. And that's what they taught us. They taught us you have to do good. You have to be able to help people and bring people along and make room, which is, I think, again, I keep going back to this. This is what drives me, right? Making room for others, opportunity. And that's what we did. You have a tremendous passion for helping people across the board and your devotion to minorities, women, et cetera, and entrepreneurs generally and giving people opportunities, especially those who couldn't even dream that, that, that they could have those opportunities and have the talent in them to make something of themselves in the small business world, I think is a talent and a drive that very few people have. Uh, but you know, it's interesting. I didn't realize that all of your siblings and parents are public servants. Yeah, just about. You know, we have social workers in my family. I always say, like, maybe I missed Mark. I've got with my mom's social worker, my dad's social worker, my two sisters are social workers. And my brother, he's an electrician for the MTA. It does great work. And I have a sister in law enforcement. And then we have, um, you know, other family members in law enforcement and, and, and others in, like, public service around the city. I mean, look, it is our calling as, as a family in how I view things, you're called to this. This is not something that I think people just throw their hands up. You can do anything you want, right? But helping people in public service is a calling. So, I mean, you mentioned both your parents are social workers and that you didn't follow their footsteps in social work, but they're both ministers and you and your wife are also both ministers, right? Can you tell us a little bit about that path? Wow. You know, every PK, every preacher's kid runs from being a preacher's kid. Like nobody wants to do that. I was born... Uh, 1978, November 6th, um, just weeks or so before the Jonestown tragedy in Guyana. It's hard to talk about still. People 
coming from all over the world, really, primarily America, of course, California, places of the sort. And there was a community there for some time, and it's, it's a cult, really, uh, in the middle of the forest there, rainforest, or whatever you want to call it, the Amazon in Guyana. And, you know, they were having regular meetings and different things and a whole community there of people, hundreds. And at one point, they were told to drink this poison, and everybody drank it, and they all died. My dad was a missionary in the interior of Guyana, right not too far from where this was. And so my mom had left the interior of Guyana to go to Georgetown, to the hospitals where they are, to have me. And, um, and we have sort of, they have sort of like moved my other sisters and my siblings out. So my dad couldn't get out of the interior at the time because, you know, CIA was there. Everybody was there because of obviously the, the congressman um, who got, got shot. Got shot. Right? And so it was a big thing. So he couldn't even come see me. And um, I'm saying this all because, like, it's, it's the ministry and missions work that had him in that, in the, in the sort of, we call the jungle of Guyana. Uh, and then it's like coming out now to get to me to see that I was born. He couldn't. After a couple times, they were able to get him on a plane. There was no seats, a little small plane for him to come out of the interior. So he literally had, he said he sat on boxes of bullets and guns. And the guys were able to fly him out in order for him to come see me. That's where my life started, you know. And with all that's going on, he stayed there to help people and was staying in that area just to like bring some life and light. When I look back and they tell us the stories that they have as missionaries or as ministers, it really drives my wife and I, I know, to do what we do in that regard. And again, it's all centered on how can we make people's lives better. We'll be right back with more from our conversation with SBS Commissioner John L. Doris. But I want to take a second to remind New Yorkers that we are in desperate need of blood donors. And if you step up, you can win some amazing prizes. Just follow these steps to enter the sweepstakes for one of 50 great prizes. First, schedule an appointment at nybc.org donate to donate at one of our NYC locations between November 27th and December 31st. Second, visit nycbc.org slash givebloodnyc to enter the contest. And finally, while donating, snap a selfie of your visit and be sure to tag New York Blood Center on social media and use the hashtag GiveBloodNYC. Thanks for listening. Back to you, Kate. I'm Janelle, so my parents are small business owners. And if you are the child of a small business owner, you understand that your parents never really have a day off because your life and how you feed your family is dependent solely on the work you do, the people you hire in your company. You've put a lot of work into providing economic opportunities to small businesses, particularly MWBEs, which are minority women-owned business enterprises, to make the lives of small business owners better, which for me is very commendable as I've had a front row seat to what small business owners go through and the challenges they face. Can you talk a little bit about the infrastructure you've put in place to support the community through these small businesses? First of all, uh, your story is just fantastic and it's, it's so true. Uh, my mom, I always say she's the person who taught me what small business is all about. She was working full time, but she was the Avon lady, the home interior lady, the Amway lady. And that small business that she had was the cause and really the reason that we were able to purchase our first home as a family. 
And, you know, it is one of those things that I will always honor and respect because she's really teaching us those lessons that your parents taught you and also about how to follow your dreams and do everything you can to work towards them. So the infrastructure we've put in uh, for small businesses across the city really uh, is enormous. It's, you know, we help them with financial resources. We help them understand the regulatory challenges in the environment that we're in. We literally take them through step-by-step how to start your business, how to grow your business, how to make your business really, really thrive. And I think that sort of white glove service that SBS provides is exactly what our small businesses need today. And so the infrastructure is there, the relationships with the banking community that many small businesses struggle with today. A lot of them also struggle with their back office. Guess why? Because, you know, as a small business owner, you're the CEO, you're the CFO, you're the COO, you know, you're the head of HR all in one individual or two individuals. So we give them the support they need to really sustain their business and teach them how it is to grow grow their business and even the structure of their business and what they need to do and where the incentives are, where the opportunities are. And so we've built that infrastructure for the small business community, all 240,000 small businesses in the city, by the way, which represents 3.4 million jobs. And we've got to do all we can to support those businesses. Janelle, if I'm a small business owner and I'm listening to this podcast, where should I go to learn more about how some of the services you've discussed? Yeah. Well, I would say the first place that you would go if you need help is call our hotline. And I say that because when we started this hotline back in June, we never thought that 46,000 people will call us. And we would help 46,000 people who called into that line. So it's 888-SBS-4NYC. And it's just one of those things that you got to know if you're a small business owner, you need to know that number or you just go online, nyc.gov forward slash SBS, and you have all of our resources right at your fingertips. Our office has worked with your team closely. We rolled out open dining in late August, which will now become a permanent program throughout the city. Outdoor heaters at restaurants, which um, I've recently been greatly enjoying at my favorite restaurants throughout the city, and most recently open storefronts, which allows stores to sell their goods in front of their stores. Can you talk to us a little bit about your experience working through COVID? You know, my experience working through COVID started right here at the mayor's office of MWBE, which I was leading at the time, and making sure that minority women-owned businesses have an opportunity to compete for some of those contracts. I'm happy to say, I think over 700 million in contracts have gone to MWBEs for COVID. But let me tell you, our experiences from the beginning, as we began to open up, I've been on the ground. I've been out to over 30 corridor walks, all the way going back to June, visiting businesses on the ground, hearing from them, learning their concerns, and putting that into policy and putting that into practice. And one of the things that you talked about which we heard from the business community, our business improvement districts, our chambers of commerce, our merchants associations, was that we needed to find an innovative way to save our restaurants and our restaurant industry. And not only the restaurants themselves, but the supply chains, those who supply the restaurants with the food, those who supply them with the, the, the cleaning materials and all the like. It's a whole ecosystem of the open restaurants program. We thought we would only get 5,000 people to join. It's 10 1,700 restaurants are participating in that program. I mean, that's unheard of, okay? We've got 27,000 restaurants in the city. 
10,700 says we're going to participate in this. So look, that experience to me about how do we reimagine government? How do we reimagine what we do with our public spaces? That's sort of been driving us innovation, which is one of the key principles that is driving our work now. We've got to be innovative. We've got to think outside the box. Um, you know, and there's a human touch to this, right? And I think understanding what that really means. When you look a business owner in the face and tears are running down their eyes because they can't make their rent or they can't get their business going because of all that's happening, you feel that. And it drives you. And it's the passion behind the work to, to bring solutions, to bring opportunity for them to actually advance and grow and to change policies where it needs to change. And that's the drive. That's what's driving our work, right? It's it's it's. It's the, the businesses looking at them, hearing from them, and then saying that we've got to respond to this. So look, what we said to the small business owners is, listen, follow the guidelines, follow the rules, make sure you wash your hands, make sure you stay home if you're sick, the, the big four, right? Make sure that you, you know, you're also getting tested. I mean, you got to figure out a way to get your employees tested and follow the rules. Before you're doing proper hygiene, washing your hands, all these things, I think we, we have to reiterate to them, and they've been listening. The reason we were able to open up in the first place is because everyone listened to what the health experts were saying. And so I'm saying to them again, we don't lose focus. Don't lose your focus on actually listening to the health experts and doing what they say, because that's what got us to open in the first place at the epicenter of this crisis, Right. It was everybody doing their part. The numbers went down. We were able to open up. And so that's been our experience with COVID. And I'm going to tell you, it continues to this day. Janelle, what percentage of small businesses do you think take advantage of the expertise and services that SBS provides? You know, I got to say, man, we've provided over 100,000 services. If you think about our trainings that we've done and webinars over 50,000 participants, and most of it done in another language other than English. That's incredible. And, and I'll tell you why. One of the things that I thought was really impressive, Janelle, my parents own a small business as well. And one of the programs they applied for was the Paycheck Protection Program, PPP. And I remember when they were going through the paperwork, obviously I'm a lawyer, and so it was helpful having a lawyer to read through the paperwork, figure things out, uh, and help them apply for it. And I didn't think much of it when they were asking me for advice. And I said, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll help you fill out the paperwork until I heard you talking about how few people in New York City were taking advantage of the program. And I remember you talking about, hey, we need to make people aware of these programs. There's a lot of money on the table. But for reasons including, you know, people don't have access to the Internet or they don't speak English, and there's not enough translation, they're not applying for these services that are available to them and this money that's sitting out there. And you devised a program and you committed SBS to getting that message out in multiple languages, verbally, on the internet, in-person meetings, et cetera, in order to give people the tools to apply for that program. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm jumping you know, here because, you know, you're absolutely right. That's what we do. That's who we are. We bring not only resources, but information. And information is key in a time like this. Where can you get resources? Where can you get the help? Where can you actually understand, um, you know, how to go through the process? And then we just don't tell you, look over there, there's an opportunity. No, we walk you through it. White glove service. We will take you 
with our business solution centers some, from beginning to end, walk you through that process to say, here's how you apply and stay with you until the end. I think that is the uniqueness of what SBS does. And that's why I'm excited about all the programs we've done. We've got over 100 programs in our agency. And look, a lot of them around workforce as well. And folks don't know, you know, we've connected small businesses to $113 million of funding, either through city, philanthropic, or as federal dollars, right? And that's 4,500 businesses. It's 12,000 jobs. And so when you think about that reality, about in a time when, you know, we have a spike in unemployment, when you help small businesses, you help people keep their jobs. And so that's what our our work is all about. So you were appointed small business services commissioner in the middle of the pandemic. And, you know, we've discussed a bit about what small business services or SBS is currently doing. In 2021, there's going to be a mayoral election There'll soon after be a new mayor, a new administration. What are your priorities for the rest of your tenure as commissioner? One of the biggest priorities for us, obviously, is getting these small businesses out on the other side of this crisis. Um, To me, that's number one on the list. We got to make sure that we create an ecosystem that allows them to thrive and to survive outside of this Um, and build the infrastructure and double down on the infrastructure, I should say, that we've already built to make sure that businesses have what they need to come out and come through this. Uh, The second part to that is sort of akin to my statement on how what COVID has sort of done. It is really setting up structures in which MWBEs and most vulnerable communities have access not only to government, but to resources and to make sure that it's lasting and sustainable. Okay. And then the last thing is really rethinking about the way that SBS provides its services and, you know, we've got three principles that I'm building our, just sort of the new SBS on. One is on innovation, because we've got to be innovative. We've got to think differently and be creative about solving and bringing solutions. The, set, the second is on adaptability. Um, you know, our, is our agency adaptable enough to be able to pivot on a dime to help and support businesses um, and, and communities, no matter what the crisis is? And the last one is around renewing our, our efforts around collaboration, because we found out during this time that nothing happens by itself or on its own. We need, we're dependent on, you know, supply chains overseas just to give us PPE that we need here. And the breakdown in the supply chain affected somebody who's sitting in, in a hallway in, in a hospital waiting to get the support that they need. So thinking through about what collaboration means, also collaboration and getting critical information out to the business community, collaboration about utilizing the CBOs and organizations, merchants organizations, bids and and chambers, all of us coming together, state, federal, city, to actually address these issues. And so that's the priorities we have sort of building up SBS and uh, moving us forward. So before being appointed Small Business Services Commissioner, you worked right here in City Hall in the bullpen. I remember meeting you because you joined the administration in 2016 as senior advisor for minority and women-owned business enterprises. And at the time, Maya Wiley was counsel to the mayor and she oversaw MWBE and other social justice issues. So can you tell us about how you joined the administration and when you first met the mayor? Yeah, 2016, I think February, I was at 
a conference in Albany and on the panel with me, at the time I was the chief diversity officer for the governor's office of Storm Recovery. And so I was a panelist along with Maya Wiley and we were talking about opportunity MWBE And that's where the first time I met Maya. And not too long after, I got this call about the city really looking for someone to help advance the MWBE work. And then next thing you know, John L, we would love for you to come down and help the city in their MWBE work and really begin to move this agenda forward for the mayor. And then shortly after I joined the administration, I've met the mayor obviously in passing before, but not in, in this way. And we had a meeting set up. I think it was July 12th, 2016. And I come into the front office and President Obama is up there giving a speech in the memorial speech service for the fallen Dallas police officers. And he's speaking and the entire office, you could hear a pin drop. First of all, it was one of the most profound speeches that President Obama ever did. But, you know, watching the mayor just with his attention and just committed to hearing not only what the president had to say, but what was happening in that moment uh, to salute those officers and to really think about, you know, our officers, I'm sure, and the commitment. And I'm coming from a law enforcement family. I'm looking at this and I'm saying to myself, this is me too. And that speech is happening in my first meeting with the mayor. And I walk into his office and we have our first meeting. But that was a profound moment that I will never forget. Just all of us just sitting there as we, you know, the reverence, of course, for those officers, but listening to the president and also seeing the mayor and seeing his commitment and dedication to our officers and others. I mean, it was just a beautiful moment. Why do you think he appointed you as SBS commissioner? I hope it's because um, we did a great job with MWBE work, but also I think the mayor, after working closely with him for those four years, I think he, he, he understood who I am as a person. And he understand the commitment that I have for small businesses and to do everything I can for the least of these, which drives me, which is my motto. And I think that's the reason, and I hope that's the reason, I believe that's the reason, that's the reason he said to me that uh, he wanted me in this job, in this role, particularly at this particular moment. You need someone who can empathize. I was a former small business owner myself. I ran the largest MWBE program in the country for a municipality. I know what it takes to make sure that businesses survive. You know, we doubled our certification. We tripled utilization of MWBE firms, $14.7 billion before I left. I mean, I can go on, but those are positive things. But it's the families behind it, the communities behind those numbers that I think um, is the reason why. And I hope that the, the mayor uh, selected me for the job. Yeah, I, I think, look, if I was a small business owner in New York City, I can't imagine a more passionate advocate for me and and other small business owners. I think we're really lucky in this city to have you, Janelle. But eventually, all good things must come to an end. And at some point, this administration will end and you will have a successor. If your successor came to you on day one and said, now former Commissioner Doris, what advice would you give to me as I start your former job as SBS commissioner? I think you got to keep the small businesses and their needs at the forefront of whatever you do. It's very simple advice, but it's the most profound advice to me. When the outgoing then Commissioner Bishop and I met, I mean, he said something similar to me. And, you know, we talked about the commitment to the actual small business community. 
And we, we hear small business, but we don't hear community because there's a community of small businesses. And that community is a unique community. It's one that us at the table, we just shared of our own small businesses experience as kids of parents who own their own business. And what does that actually mean? There's a community there. So putting them at the forefront of whatever we do, to me, is the advice I would give to anyone. We can have policies, we can have finance, all these things. But if, if it's not centered around businesses and their needs, then I think we're missing the mark. So we are going to wrap up with a new segment called Out of Commission-er. I will provide you with two words. You must pick one. It's basically like this or that. But you must pick the word that is out of commission. Get it? Out of commission. Out of commission or out of commission. Basically pick one. The word you like more. So like ham or turkey. <laughs> no, I got it. No, I get it. I mean. Val <laughs> really likes ham or turkey. I don't know which one. Like really, I actually want to know which one you like. You guys are amazing. You guys are Janelle, you're not, you're not on NPR or CNN, all right? I know, but I love I, – I mean, I, anyway. It's very creative. I thank you guys for this. Go ahead. Yeah. Let me see. Let me see. Just wait till you – Janelle Just is two me. steps from the door right now, ready to escape. Uh, so, all right, go ahead. Okay. Albany or New York City? New York City. Pepper Pot or MetMG? Did I pronounce that correctly? Oh my gosh. All right, girl. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> feel like you're stalling. I feel, I feel, I mean, wow. That I give you like some good credits there, man. That by the way, uh, pepper pot is the national dish, Guyana. So pepper pot has gotta be. Okay. Prospect Park or Central Park? Uh Prospect Park. Nets or Knicks? Knicks. Let's go, Knicks. Last question. Dan Broom or Kate Coughlin? Well, I must say, it's got to be Kate. <laughs> Kate, do you want to tell our audience who Dan Broom is? He's my husband. <laughs> Chanel recently learned that. Yes, I re- and after working with him for like on the marijuana commission, I mean, we worked together for so long and I did not know he was your husband. And with that, I want to thank our dear friend, council alum, and SBS Commissioner Janelle Doris for joining us today. Thank you so much, Janelle. Thanks, Capel. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. I want to thank SBS Commissioner Janelle Doris for taking time out of his busy schedule to sit down with us. I found it incredibly enlightening to hear about his path to public service and everything his agency is doing to support small businesses in New York City. We really hope you enjoyed this conversation and hope to have you back again soon for the next episode of City Hall Pass. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by the Office of the Council to the Mayor of New York City with support from the Mayor's Office of Media and Entertainment. Special thanks to our executive producer, Stathi, and a big thank you to Karen, Roland, Jenna, and Andrew from the Mayor's Office of Media and Entertainment. We couldn't do this without you.